welcome to the Fukuoma Podcast, Episode 5. Uh, today we have the distinct honor of welcoming Rob Todd, who is the founding brewer of Allagash Brewery in Portland, Maine. Uh, kind of basically put Portland, Maine on the map in regards to beer. Uh, and it's still being recognized for that. He just won a James Beard Award for Outstanding Wine, Beer, and Spirits Producer. So, Rob Todd, welcome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And I don't know if we can take all the credit for putting Portland on the map. DL <laughs> Geary started in 87, actually right around the corner from us. And he, I think, was the first production brewery east of the Mississippi. So um, he, he yeah. was very early and did a lot to put Portland on the map. And of course, Ed and Richard, who you know at Gritty's, they started, I think, in 88 at Gritty's. And it's funny because I did a lot of my business plan at Gritty McDuff's. I had an apartment right down the road on High and Danforth. And when I used to get hungry at lunchtime, every once in a while, I'd walk over to Gritty's, have a pint of their Black Fly Stout, which still today is one of my favorites. That's the go-to there. Absolutely. Yes. I love that beer. And their food is actually very good. It's great. Yeah. I used um, to get the fish and chips and a pint of Black Fly and head back to write the business plan. Yeah. And actually that, which brings us to what the topic is for this episode. Generally, we choose a... Uh, what I consider to be a mundane food topic, like breakfast or sandwiches. Uh, but in this case, Rob, because he's so prolific, I, I felt that I, and, I, and I'm so infatuated with the 90s, I feel like the 90s was a great topic to kind of jump off from, um, especially in reference specifically to Portland, Maine. Because why not? I mean, like, it was a great decade. It was. It was funny. I was mentioned <laughs> to uh, to a, a few of the people that report to me this morning. We had a meeting and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do a podcast with Joe Riccio and <laughs> it's on the 90s. And a couple of them are like, does Joe remember the 90s? Or I'm is 40. it kind of a blur? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I, mean, like, I was drinking. Yeah, yeah, I didn't <laughs> start using cocaine regularly until like 99. So <laughs> that, I remember a lot before then. <laughs> that was the crazy years were my early 20s. So it's funny. I started the 90s in sixth grade. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And I think no, they were it. more uh, referencing it, not remembering oh, it, not so much from thinking, the age yeah. thing, but from more of a enjoying <laughs> it. It's because I'm a little It's fine. I, uh, <laughs> I started the 90s in sixth grade and I finished them working in nightclubs in Chicago uh, at the uh, age of 20. Yeah. Huh? Um, but it's funny you, you bring. So we went right into the beer, uh, obviously, because, you know, it's your legacy. My first job when I was 15 was I helped open Gritty's in Freeport. Oh, Gritty wow. McDuff's in Freeport. Yeah, I remember well when that and John opened. Soul and, mm -hmm. and, and Billy. And Billy, yep. And the funny thing was, though, so this is my legacy as a teenager. I always looked like I was 30. Like, I could grow a full beard at a very early age. And I had this, like, what I thought was confidence then, but now I think is, like, people just feeling sorry for me in retrospect <laughs> I was like, I talk an accident. How you doing? You know, and they, I think I was sounding old and they probably were like, who's this guy? What's this? Let's just get him out of the store as quickly as possible. Let's <laughs> just sell him the beer. And so, uh, so yeah, my first job was Grease Freeport. And so I, I got hired as a bartender and I'm a sophomore in high school, mind you. I bet you served me a couple no, of No, I didn't. Well, no, here's the thing is I didn't get the, and you know, remember Allison that worked there. Oh yeah. So, I was hired as a bartender because they didn't bother to look at my birth date on the application. Oh, wow. And so I got, I got through two interviews with the owner and then I, I actually literally showed up to bar training. Like I was telling my friends and they're like, you got a job as a bartender. And I'm like, I totally did. It's going to be the best <laughs> summer ever. I'm a sophomore in high school. I'm a bartender. And so, you know, we get to literally the, like the third bar training session and they get to a point and they're like, okay, we're going to, you know, taste all the beers now. And they kind of, they were joking. They're like, you know, provided everybody here is like of age. And I raised my hand and I was like, so I'm like, well, I mean, I'm not yet. Full disclosure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they're like, oh yeah. I mean, like, you know, how old? And I'm like, well, I'm about to turn 16. <laughs> no <laughs> and they way. Were like, what? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm almost sick. I'm going to get my driver's license and everything. <laughs> and so that was the end of my bar career. I was then I then became a, a busboy and also a dishwasher, which was my back of the house restaurant career. It lasted for exactly two days. And the second day, I let a bunch of silverware get into their new garbage disposal oh. and broke it. 
And so that was, I remember cutting gritty ships and breaking the garbage disposal. And if any of those guys are listening right now, God bless you. And uh, <laughs> then I was like a busser, but I was so close to being a sophomore, a sophomore high school bartender. How amazing would that have been? That would have been cool. I actually, I always liked the back of the house though. One of my first jobs was washing dishes in a restaurant. And then that, uh, you know, I washed dishes my first summer working in the restaurant. Second summer I was busing. I think the third or fourth summer I was waiting, which was, that literally is the hardest job I've ever had. I, I, I let it get to me. I took I took it personally when stuff went wrong and stuff was always going wrong. You know, like the air conditioner is broken or the chef screwed up the order or I screwed something up and I couldn't do it. And I went back to washing dishes. When I graduated college, a uh, couple years after college, I was living out west in Colorado and I gravitated right towards the back of the house washing dishes because, I mean, really all you got to do is make sure they're coming out of that dishwasher mm -hmm. as fast as they're piling up in front of it and, and everyone loves you. And you don't have you to know? be the bearer of bad news. You don't have Exactly. And you're also yep. the backbone of the restaurant. Yep. Yep. The unsung hero. And hopefully the wait staff, you know, keeps the drinks flowing. Yeah. I mean, they used I mean, to bring back rounds of shots to well, me. It was, it was fun. I mean, restaurants in the eighties and nineties were a very different place than they are now. It was a bit more of that, like, you know, what you mean, like kitchen confidential, like that pirate ship yeah. mentality where it was like, the reason I work in restaurants is because I like to drink while I work and I like not to be judged. <laughs> For all, for what a derelict I am. And I also make a lot of money in a very young age. It's wow. like, remember the game of life, like the board game? Oh, yeah, sure. And you could take that short With way. That little spinner thing? The, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you could take, remember, you do that, go the career way, and it was like more things. Yeah. Or you take yeah. the shortcut. Yeah. We all took the shortcut. It was just like, oh, this is great. These guys are suckers. Like going to med school and getting their master's degree. Like, I don't, I'm not speaking for you. I don't know what your college experience was. That's what I did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, uh, my one of my first jobs, like I said, was in the restaurant business and it was in the mid eight, early mid 80s. And it was an eye opener for me. I yeah. can tell you that. Yeah. So I see you now we're enjoying right now and you brought us the uh, the Allagash White, which is I mean, this is what the 90s was to you was this beer. Absolutely. And it's funny. It still is us. It's still, I literally don't think a day passes unless for some reason I can't get my hands on one where I don't drink a white. I, really? I literally love it more with each passing day. Um, that's amazing uh, to say, you know, that's awesome. It kind of is, you know, and it's funny now that I think of it, a bunch of stuff's kind of popping in my head. Whoops. <laughs> and I, uh, I was excited when you mentioned the nineties It's a, that's a, it's a cool topic. And, uh, it, life was very, very different for us back then. Yes. So uh, I still get a hard time at the brewery because we have probably 15 beers on tap at our um, retail store guest relations for people who come visit us to try, you know, and they're kind of trying everything. And whenever I step up to the bar there, no one asks me what I want. They just pour me, uh, pour me a glass of the white and give me the white. And that that's just what I drink. I, I love it. Says so much about that beer, you know. And it's funny, too. There are a lot of things I should have been concerned about when I was starting the brewery, like a whole litany of things that I could have been concerned about and should have been concerned about. The only thing I was worried about was that I wouldn't like the beer when I got all up and running, got the beer formulated, brewed it. I was worried I didn't that I maybe wouldn't like it because I can't go out and sell something with a straight face that I don't like truly believe in in love. Um, so I was worried that, you know, what if I don't like this? I'm not going to be able to go out and sell it with a straight yeah. face. But luckily, I fell in love with the very first batch we made, um, sold the third batch. That was the first keg that went on tap. Um, and, uh, you know, I like That's I said, I, I really feel like I've loved it even more with each passing year. It's funny. It's a beer that still tastes consistently the same. Every year. I think the biggest enemy of Allagash White is actually Dirty Lines. Absolutely. That I mean, is the line. single biggest enemy of this beer because when you have it out of the can or out of the bottle or then you randomly go to a bar, maybe they don't they don't have such great habits, you know, as far as keeping things clean. You know, you know, it's that that's a really, really good point. A clean line just because the flavors in the white are so delicate. It's right. a very balanced, complex beer. So is there like it, coriander? It, so in there? I mean, what's yep, what are coriander, the spices? Yeah, coriander, coriander, orange peel, and then a secret spice. Okay. 
which I generally don't reveal yeah, don't unless I, yeah, yeah. you know, go through <laughs> at least a four pack, if not a couple yeah. four packs. <laughs> well, we, can, we so, have all day. So but uh, yeah, coriander, orange peel, and of course, malted wheat, unmalted wheat, and some oats give it kind of a spicy character. Mm-hmm. And then, of, co- of course, barley. But um, yeah, th- there's a lot of complexity, a lot of like delicate flavors. And with a dirty line, all those delicate flavors are in, in complexity. It's it not going like to express a flat, itself. Just a flat beer yep. that's... Yeah, it's really too bad sometimes. It's just something so out of your control because you're in so many places. Yeah. I mean, I'll never, I'll, I'll never forget how thrilled I was. That, so I lived in Chicago from 1998 to 2003. And I went into a bar called The Hop Leaf randomly. Oh, I point. love Mike. Yeah. And I was like yeah. looking at the beer list and I saw Allagash. Yeah. And, you know, when at that point in those days in the 90s, like, yeah, you don't expect to see main beers on a list in Chicago. And he was so thrilled. I ordered a big bottle of your triple. Yeah. <laughs> he was like so excited that I knew about you and your beer. I yeah. That was awesome. I mean, back in those days, Mike at the Hop Leaf, Laura at the Map Room. Yep. There in the 90s, when you went from city to city, and we sold beer in a bunch of cities by the late 90s. Um, cities like L.A. or Chicago, Boston, New York, Atlanta, there were like one or two, maybe three bars that really focused on and pushed craft beers. Yeah. And now, I mean, you take it for that granted. That wasn't really a term back then. Was no, it? not yeah. really. And you take it for granted now because you can't walk half a block without because stumbling on a bar that supports you. push that term into the fucking ground. I mean, it's well, like... And it's, and it's important. And we <laughs> yeah. can talk about that a little bit. That, yeah, that I'd be term, happy to talk about you know, it. I mean, the, the craft brewer term is, is important. Um, but yeah, I mean, there there weren't too many bars in Chicago that focused on craft beer, and Hopleaf was one of them. They, from day one, when we um, rolled into Chicago, Hopleaf uh, Map Room, Clark Street Ale House was another great. Oh one. yeah, I've been there. Yeah, yeah, that place is cool. Clark Street Ale House is great because it's more of a divey kind of. Yeah, has that wood, old wood. old school yeah. wood. Yeah, like I remember like drinking like vodka and lemonades there for like the street festivals and stuff yeah. over on Clark Street. <laughs> yeah. I, I love, love that place. I used to town, stay. Man. It, uh, I mean, all these like memories from the '90s coming back. I, That's this was what we're before doing here. Bring Priceline. Bring them back. The, yeah, b- there was no Priceline before yeah. Priceline. The internet, all that stuff. I forget how I even found it, but I used to stay on in the Hojo's, the Hojo's okay. Hotel on LaSalle, which was like Hojo's three like blocks. Howard Johnson, or it was called the Hojo's. Howard Johnson. Okay, <laughs> and it was called the Hojo's. Yeah, okay, yeah. I remember yeah. the first time I stayed there. I, I flew in to Midway on Southwest, and you have to, to fly <laughs> Midway to Southwest. Pro tip on Chicago: if you aren't flying into Midway on Southwest, you're doing it wrong because I, that L ride is just as quick on the Orange Line as it is on the Blue Line, and you're paying a lot less. There you go. That's I. I'm not sponsored by Southwest Air. Yeah. At all. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was the cheapest way to get there, you know, Manchester to Midway. And then I I, I remember the first time I went there, I uh, rode the cab out. I gave the guy my address, rode out there. It was at night. He dropped me off right in front of the Hojo's on LaSalle. And I remember like looking up and there was one of those neon signs. Chicago was a little different back then, that yeah, neighborhood. Yeah. There was yeah. a neon sign going like, zzz, yeah. zzz, zzz, <laughs> and I'm like, man, I'm fucked. Like, what am I can picture myself into with fried chicken. <laughs> yeah, well, that was, it seriously <laughs> felt like that. And yeah. this hotel, you know, I, I checked in, I forget, it was like 39 bucks or something like that. And I checked in, I, went to my room and of course there's no like interior hallways it's all exterior hallways and there's you know broken bottles all over the hallway (laughs) and but it's you know it's so it's funny you know you go back to the 90s and it was much different at least from a food and beverage perspective in the cities because there just weren't anywhere near the options or the market for uh beers like this in cities and you know what was your pitch like what was your initial like how did you approach these people to begin with like do they know? Do they already know about you before you went out there? No, okay. no. First, you had to get in with the distributors, and and no one wanted us. You know, it, it kind of goes back to I, when I started in Maine in ninety four, ninety five. I honestly didn't think we'd ever sell beer outside of Maine. To make a yeah. long story short, we just couldn't sell enough beer in Maine back then. No one had ever seen beer like this. Were Cloudy, you the first? To do to get outside of Maine between like shipyard and Geary's. And no, Geary's. I think they. I think there were a bunch of breweries that had multi-state oh, yeah. distribution yep. before us, but I never really wanted to spend time on the road. 
I never thought we'd sell beer outside of Maine. But when we came out with these, this Allagash White, I used to walk in to accounts, bartenders, bar managers, owners, whoever was making the decisions, and I'd pour them a sample of the beer, and it looked like what you're drinking right there yep. in that glass, yeah. cloudy. Yeah. And, you know, there were a, the majority of people back then hadn't even seen a cloudy beer. Right. And the first thing they'd say is, what's wrong with this? Right. And so I had some explaining to do, and then they'd, you know, uh, take us take a sniff of the beer and taste the beer, and they'd be like, you know, why does it taste like this? Why does it smell like this? And, and you, you, more you couldn't bust out your iPhone and be like, look at Hefeweizen. No, this, yeah, no. you had to like explain to no. them. Yeah, and you know, if I was lucky enough for them to say, listen, I'll put it on for you. It, you know, it didn't it didn't sell. They right. usually say, I'm going to put this on, but it's not going to sell. Yeah. And they were right. Which is the worst. I mean, I, I spent a lot of time in wholesale wine sales and it's like you get a placement, but you know that nobody there is going to be even or they're not going to be moving it for you. Yeah. You, know, yeah, you have to get yeah. everybody behind it there before they're pushing in on the, the customers. And Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, we were always the slowest or second slowest selling draft handle and the beer wasn't turning and it was getting old. And, and what, what year was this? This was 95, okay. 96, you know, when I started. And so we just had so much trouble selling enough beer just to survive. I started to say, you know, I'm going to open up a few states just to do enough volume to survive. And um, we just opened up any any distributor who would buy our beer, regardless of how far away they were, we sold it to them. So I do things like, you know, in Chicago, I'd, I'd call a couple of retailers, find out who the distributors were and start calling the distributors and say, hey, you know, my name is Rob Todd. I've, I've got this Belgian style wheat beer we're making out of Portland, Maine. And I quickly learned that if I said, would you be interested in this beer, or interested in meeting with me? They'd be like, no, no, I'm not. Don't waste your yeah. time. So you use so, your sales technique. Well, yeah. So what I'd say <laughs> Don't is- give them the option of saying that. <laughs> yeah. I'd say something like, hey, I'm, I'm visiting a, a family friend yeah. in Chicago. I'm with Rio Rancho. I'm yeah. the vice president of Rio Rancho Estates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'd be like, yeah, I'm visiting a friend of mine or a visiting family. Since I'm out there anyway, could you just give me 15 minutes? And they'd usually kind of be like, sure, we'll yeah. meet with you. And I'd maybe meet with three distributors and two of them would be like, no, no. And one of them would be like, sure, I'll take it in. Huh. And I wasn't doing credit checks back yeah. then. You know, we got burned a couple of times. Oh, and, okay. But, you know, that that's kind of how we worked our way in, worked our way into the market. That's, that's amazing. Though. I mean, that's like, I don't feel like it even happens like that anymore for people. Well, also these days, if you just can up here, everybody will buy it across the United States, especially if it's from Maine. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you and know, that's because of you <laughs> setting well, the stage for everybody. There's, you know, and, and D.L. Geary and Alan yeah. and Fred did a lot of work with of course Shipyard. They did. Yeah, Shipyard and, and, and Geary has been a team and, effort and for Richard sure. And Ed and, yeah. you know, I mean, but uh, in my, this, this is in my words. Uh, I feel like you're the one that is still the most, is still relevant. Uh, and that's my words. Like I said, that's not your words. Um, because stylistically i mean you still draw the full spectrum of the crowd of the beer crowd well you know staying relevant it, it's a challenge and it's always it's a been a challenge and you know it, it's funny because you look at the white now and it where we sell beer we sell beer in 17 states and where we sell beer it's pretty widely available it, it, it really is so um you know it, it's it's something people are they're used to seeing it. Um, but back in the 90s, you know, this was really a unique, different beer that it just took a lot of, you know, education and talking about it and, you know, time doing beer dinners and spending time with distributors. It, it, was, it was a very innovative, cutting edge beer. Yes. But the key for us has been, how do we continue that innovation to stay relevant? You know what I like it better than? Honey Brown. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and Red Dog and Ice House. <laughs> yeah. I've forgotten about all those beers. Every, everybody has this for me at this moment in time. Yeah. <laughs> honey now, Brown, which tastes nothing first, like honey. The big brewers, those those were the first attempts for them to yes. kind of get in on the <laughs> totally craft were. brewer movement. Yeah, Red Dog. Red Dog, yeah. <laughs> I remember, you know what beer I actually liked 
in the 90s in high school that went away was when Miller had the Miller Miller, like the red Miller. I remember that. I don't was know if good. I ever had it, but I remember. I remember it reminded me beer. of old Milwaukee. Like it was one okay. of those like good lager, you know, good cheap lager beers yep. in a can. Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing it, but I don't I don't know if I tried it. <laughs> but yeah, the, the innovation thing, we've got a really cool and you may have seen this at the brewery. We have a, have a really cool program where if anyone at the company, there's 150 employees now. If anyone has an idea for a beer, they can talk to Jason, our brewmaster yeah. about doing it on a little 10 gallon system, tweak the recipe and brew it on the 10 gallon system. And actually, there was uh, someone working on it today, uh, Zoe who's in our GR department, guest mm -hmm. relations department, was brewing a beer. I think it was with turmeric, right? Isn't that the one that's similar to ginger, the roots? Well, it's similar and it has more of the other kind of anti-inflammatory okay. properties. Yeah, so but it looks like the ginger. Yeah, it does, it, like more orange ginger. Yeah, yeah. exactly, because yeah. I, I walked up to her, I was like, what is that? You know, it was and gal, she, ginger, and, and turmeric. Okay, turmeric, yeah. yeah. So she was brewing a beer with turmeric, and you know, we're running that little 10-gallon system a couple couple times a week. So we're brewing well over a hundred beers a year on this system. So rather than just uh, Jason, our brewmaster innovating and me, the, the owner innovating, we got 150 sharp, passionate, engaged employees who are innovating. And that's really kept, you know, going back to your relevant yeah. uh, point, that's, it's kept the brand relevant. That, that's that not innovation. happening at any other breweries. I know that for a fact. And you know, that's just the way it is. Like nobody, nobody, it's happening in other breweries, but nobody who's been around since 1995 or 94. Uh, well, yeah, I, I signed the lease in 94 yeah. and, you know, built the brewery yeah. through I the mean, winter there are in 94, great 95. Breweries, you know, I mean, we, we all love, you know, the Oxbows, uh, the Austin Streets of the world. Um, but nobody who's been doing it that long is still putting that much thought into it. Most people are just like, we have our flagship beer. We maybe came up with a gimmicky beer, not naming names. I don't like to name names. <laughs> we have a gimmicky beer that maybe that's what we sell now. <laughs> and that's our thing. Um, but yeah, you're you're actually still creating beers that even the most jaded person like myself is like, that's actually really cool and really interesting. Frozen yogurt. Frozen yogurt. <laughs> Froyo for short. 1990s brought the Froyo. <laughs> what was the, I mean, because it's still dairy. I don't understand what the, what frozen yogurt, was it the low fat trend? Was that? I don't even know if I've ever had frozen. That came in the tube, <laughs> I mean, it tastes right? fine. I know my kids TCBY and yeah. all that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I don't, I, I just never was like, it's not like it's different. It's not like when now we have like, you know, almond milk for people who are lactose intolerant. Like if you're lactose intolerant, you're still can't have Froyo. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, why? Yeah. Why would that? And why do people put gummy bears on it? That's what I was so about. I just felt like, I felt like that needed to be said. Yeah. The, like this episode, I would have been really disappointed. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because the one thing I was thinking all the way here is, you know, I hope Joe <laughs> brings up frozen yogurt because yeah. it's such an important God component damn it. of the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. What? Do I get ice cream or do yeah. I get Froyo? I literally, I am so conflicted. Um, See, this is what we start talking about when you get a couple beers in the oh, podcast. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're like frozen yogurt. <laughs> yeah. And I start talking about how much I hate focaccia bread. Uh, as a, I've talked about this in a previous you don't like episode. Focaccia, huh? I like focaccia as focaccia. But when focaccia becomes a burger bun, oh, okay. that's when we're fighting words. We're getting. That's you when know, you draw the line. That's where I draw the line. I think the 90s really. The 90s brought us things like the Wu Tang Clan, Alice in Chains, although that might have even been the late 80s. Uh, you know, some table pilots, but it also brought us focaccia as a burger bun. And I don't prefer that yeah. <laughs> at all. <laughs> you know, I miss all of that stuff because my doctor told me no more solid carbs. He was, he basically In the said, 90s? No, this happened a couple years ago because okay. of all the carbs I right. ate in the 90s. Well, the Atkins thing, that became a thing, I think, at the tail end of the 90s, but really yeah, bled. Yeah, it, yeah. Became, it came to, to prominence in the early aughts. Yeah. See, I, I drink a, f a fair amount of, I'll put that in air quotes, a yeah. fair <laughs> amount of beer. And my doctor said, if you're going to keep drinking beer like this, you need to basically eliminate solid carbs. Right. So I guess I miss focaccia. I would love a <laughs> yeah, burger. Yeah, but wouldn't you rather a have a sesame bun? bun? 
Yes, I, I would mean, take a sesame butt over There's as much focaccia board. that I have. A, I'm not waging some war against focaccia uh, <laughs> because to me, it, it's like pizza. It's a thing on its own that you have. But when it becomes a sandwich bun, I refuse to accept it. <laughs> I hear you. I mean, it's like some of these beers where people are just dumping anything in it to be different. Right. Uh, it's like yeah. it, when you want a burger, just give me a sesame bun. Right. A lot of things that have sort of become... It, Pumpkin beer is a good example of something that started out as, an, as interesting and fun and then just got out of control. I think flavored coffee is another one of those things that started in the yeah. 90s, right? Yeah. I mean, you never heard of flavored oh, coffee. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like vanilla yeah. and almond and all peppermint. And <laughs> Jamaican meat crazy. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like yeah. that was, you know, it's just funny all these like random, you know, things like Snapple and like that you kind of forget about that they were from that era. Snapple, I haven't heard that word in a while. Yeah, made from the best stuff on earth, yeah. they say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, peach Snapple, some French onion sun chips, and a slice of pizza. Yeah. And now you're I talking post little league action. Snapple back yeah. then. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, or, or, or kudos bars. Kudos, yeah. <laughs> were, Those were good. They were, well, that's because they were a candy bar <laughs> that your parents were convinced they were a granola bar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're like, Can I have four more kudos bars? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. They build it as healthy but it, it was a yeah, candy like, bar there's an awful lot of chocolate in this. Yeah, i don't yeah. understand probably had the exact same like nutritional information as yes. the snickers basically. absolutely nobody was like eating a kudos bar before they were in the boston marathon yeah, i don't think yeah. but that was the kind of stuff you know like you know lays had the whole like wow chips yep <laughs> i was... ate them wow this is like actually a healthy potato chip and then they found out what it caused yeah. <laughs> as an yeah. after as a side effect which is like yeah. famous now and i don't even have to say it because i think if you don't know then you don't really need to know i, think, so I mean 90s... i think we know now you know if you yes. want actually healthy food buy it from a local farm my fondest memories uh of high school when I wasn't busy being arrested for buying beer for minors, even though I was a minor, <laughs> but yeah, the cases of Bush bar bottles, that was always the, the, the best value. You know what I used to drink a lot of talking about the nineties. Yeah. I lived, well, I mentioned earlier, I lived on high and Danforth and then I moved to Clark and Salem right behind Ruski's. Ah, yes. Which I was back at last week. I love that. Which place. hasn't changed Ruski's. since then. It hasn't. You walk it's the in exact there, it's like same. the exact same. Yep. But I used to go in there. This is before, you know, back in the 95, 96, 97, very few uh, bars and restaurants had Allagash on tap. Very, very few. And so I'd, I'd be working till, I don't know, I mean, 9.30. A lot of times I'd work till right about 9.45. And I knew that if I drove by the Kentucky Fried Chicken on Forest Ave, they'd be closing up at about oh, 10. Oh, right, the one that closed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'd order the, like, one-piece meal. And because they were closing, I knew they would make it a five-piece meal and not charge me anymore. So I'd hit KFC. Wow, that's a very astute. Yeah. That's that's. It, That's it worked out pretty well. Right and, yeah. You know, back then I literally I was working from 530 or six in the morning till close to 10 at night most days. But I, you know, head back to my place right behind Ruski's and eat the KFC on the way. Yeah. And then I go to Ruski's and everyone would be sitting at the bar drinking the Schlitz bar bottles yeah. before and, Narragansett was cool. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I drank yeah. a lot of Schlitz bar bottles yeah. at Ruski's in, in the early or late 90s. So. wonder what actually keeps me alive and keeps my skin looking so great and keeps me so pretty given uh, the reckless way in which I live my life uh, I can attribute that to Termaline spring water what do you think Rob like do you know the deal with Termaline spring water I don't know the deal but I'm drinking okay. it right now and it's it's great right spring water yeah the whole point is that Termaline spring it literally it is entirely unfiltered comes right out of the ground I've drank it myself right from the spring uh, you know, no problems with the health department or anything. Literally, they bottle it. Oh, it's right, right up in Harrison. Yeah, in Harrison. Exactly. Yeah. Harrison, Maine. They bottle it right out of the spring. It's a, it's, you know, very few things like that left in the world. Uh, and the water, it's funny. And, you know, even people like my mom are like, this is really good water. <laughs> and, you know, there's a certain age group that people don't really, they're just like, water is water. But if you can't tell the difference between tap water and a bottle of Termaline Spring, like, I don't really know 
I don't understand what's wrong with you. So Terminal Ice Cream, I actually make my coffee with it. I am uh, basically pretty much close to brushing my teeth with it at this point. Uh, and under that same umbrella, there are actually three companies. So there's Terminal Ice Spring, and then there's the Amethyst Elixir Company, which makes uh, CBD drops. Uh, these are uh, water soluble. Right my... Oh yeah, right yeah. you like tongue? CBD? Nice. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. Yeah, uh... do it. Okay, I see. Yeah, that. it's totally water soluble. It's, it's actually very high quality. It makes uh, anything you put it in taste like marijuana water. And I'm assuming doing drops on your tongue like that. It tastes like marijuana water. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's the good not stuff. Not that I would know a marijuana. No, tastes. not at all. Tastes like That's it. the good stuff. Though. It's funny. The CBD thing is interesting. Like I feel like sometimes uh, I drink too much to enjoy CBD because you know, one overpowers the other. <laughs> um, what do you think? Does it taste delicious? It does. Yeah. Because it's water soluble, it actually hits your bloodstream a lot faster, huh. uh, which is nice. And then uh, the last company under their umbrella is the Living Nuts, uh, in which I should say that the S in nuts is actually a Z. Uh, and they are a GMO-free organic nut company that is unique because they can sprout the nuts. They don't roast them. So it's about a two day process. And as you can tell, Rob's that they they have like a, a really interesting kind of meaty texture to them, really savory element. Yeah. Um, I've always wanted to, uh, which I will do soon. It's not like it's a, you know, it's not like a Make-A-Wish Foundation thing. Like I can get a bag of those pecans, like the regular pecans, like they make amazing pecan pie, I think, with that texture. I'm a savory snack guy, so this is it in the spot. It's delicious, right? Wow. He's having the teriyaki almonds right now. And then lastly, uh, do you want to hand me one of those? Uh, yeah. We're going to have some kombucha. So uh, Root Wild, uh, my friend Reed owns this kombuchery. Um, it is at 135 Washington Avenue in Portland, Maine. Where on Washington? So that? right where, I feel like it's where the Sahara Club used to be. Oh Which yeah, you've been to any AA meetings? <laughs> That's what they I were. Yeah, yeah, right next to the ANC Grocery. Um, yeah, it's basically Monjo Hill, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's on that yeah. whole strip of, of Washington yeah. Avenue. And so Reed's cool because he makes these handcrafted kombucha. He also makes beer, which is really nice. But I'm talking about the kombucha today. This is the the, the new. This is the grapefruit, which is very delicious. I haven't had kombucha in a long time. That, this is great. That is delicious. And even though I, uh, even though it conflicts with my Lipitor. I am going to you finish this whole grapefruit thing. You know what? I was thinking the same kombucha. thing because the whole grapefruit thing. Right? I could die, but yeah. I like yeah. it so much that I'm drinking it anyway. Yeah. And no, but he's cool because he does like interesting. He has like flavors like like beach rose, and and he has a blueberry and a strawberry. But he actually goes and picks the strawberries himself. Mm. Um, no, really cool guy, really cool operation. Which, if you don't know what kombucha is, it's a fermented tea, which essentially has like a mother, like a a starter. Um, that keeps going and, and going and going. Yeah, like a mother like you'd have with vinegar. Exactly, exactly. And it has a, you know, a vinegary element, but this this makes it much more pleasant uh, to drink. And this one's called Shine, which is a grapefruit flavor from the wild. But yeah, I want to cool, stop right? in and see them sometime. I yeah, mean, I no. I buy there all the time. Yeah, and I can highly recommend the, the, the beach rose. It's a seasonal one. But yeah, no, they're, they're great. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, I don't, we don't feature things here that we don't like to consume a lot of. Um, so yeah, Rue Wild, Kabucha, beer, what else do you need? And welcome back. We are speaking with Rob Todd, the founding brewer of Allagash Brewing Company in Portland, a beer legend in his own right, uh, recent recipient of the James Beard Award for Beer, Wine, and Spirit Producer. And we were actually talking about the 90s, and we kind of got on the... Uh, uh, Tip talking about Portland, Maine, where we're both very familiar with in the 90s. And I, I want to talk about The Great Lost Bear. Yeah. You know, because I, I felt like this. So for this whole episode, like, I didn't want to do a specific beer episode with you. Because I think you probably do this all the time. And the 90s, we can talk about anything. But I knew that we'd end up kind of discussing beer in the end, which is great. Because mm -hmm. the, the beer in the 90s was way different than the beer now. Except for the Allagash White, which is the exact same. Oh, actually, before I get on that, what's your stance on sticking some fruit in this? I don't do it. They automatically serve it with a lemon. 
I don't put any fruit in it. It's we were talking about spices a little earlier, mm-hmm. coriander and orange peel. Yeah, so it's, orange it's got the orange peel in lemon. it. Yeah. You know, if we if we wanted more fruit in it, we'd put it in it. Yeah. So I mean, I don't I never drink with fruit. I always say, you know, I love it when the server asks me, would you like fruit in it or not? And I always say no. Yeah. And I always say thanks for asking. Yep. On the other hand, you know what? If you want to put fruit in it, put hey, fruit in do it. Do what you, you want. Yeah, it's your whatever journey. Whatever you want. It. <laughs> it's if you your buy journey. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I don't, I don't have a problem with pe- people. Right. Whatever makes you happy, yeah. you know. But people, uh, but I think the reason they do it is because they think they're supposed to. So actually, it's good to hear from you that you didn't originally intend for that to be the case. This style of beer traditionally is not consumed. Why did that happen? Because even like Hockershore, like Pauline, or anything, any Hefeweizen you order. People automatically shove up. They stick a lemon on. It's like, I mean, with a Corona, which I like Corona without a lime. It's just like a really good beer for when it's really hot and it's really cold. And I hate it when they put a lime in without ask. I don't like fruit in my beer. So when did this kind of start with like the Hefeweizen? Like why? I don't know. I'm not going to be very much Americans are the worst. Yeah. I mean, you, you go to Germany, uh, you know, to Bavaria, you drink a, a, a wheat beer. They're... I've never no, seen it, anyone right? yeah. put a slice of lemon anywhere near uh, one of those no. beers. No, why would you put an acidic citrus fruit I don't know. in the beer? Into a beer. Beautiful as it is. Yeah. Much like Allagash, you know, establishments that have really weathered the storm and stayed very relevant from, I mean, they started in the 80s, right? Or the 70s. I mean, I'm not even sure. 70s. Yeah, 70s. Yeah. Uh, Great Lost Bear in Portland, Maine. I mean, that was like the first place you ever went. It was honestly the second bar I ever went to, and I was 16, <laughs> and I was really nervous, and I was wearing a suit, and I had a fedora hat on, and they served me a sampler paddle because, again, they probably felt bad for me. <laughs> they were like, who is this weird, weird, weird person who's so lonely that comes in and drinks sampler paddles by himself in a suit? Like, I thought I was pretty cool. Hey, it worked. But right? it, yeah, I was so nervous. I just finished him really fast and left just to say I did it, you know? Oh, but it's like funny, like real spare, like, you know, you, I've been there with like my grandmother when I was 10. I had that experience there. I've been, you know, I worked places near there. So we go every night after work and it's like, you still go. It's like, that place is ridiculous. Yeah. Definitive craft beer bar, yeah. like on a national level. Yeah. And they have been pouring Allagash White since July 1st. 1995 at 5 p.m. That was them. The Great Lost they were Bear. The first customers. Or the first pint. That, yeah. I, I literally remember like it was yesterday. I remember sitting there at the bar. I remember the seat I was in. They poured a pint. They poured the first pint at 5 p.m. July 1st, 1995. And it's funny because I walked in to the bear, like knowing I was going to be able to drink the beer. Right. And I figured <laughs> I'd sit there, drink the beer and kind of feel like, okay, I've accomplished my goals. Yeah. I've written this recipe, brewed this beer, you know, built the brewery and I'll kind of be done. I'll drink the beer yeah. and kind of be done and I'll be able to relax now for the rest of my life and just kind of make, make beer. Like but, you do. <laughs> but uh, I, I drank the first pint and then drank the second pint and I was like, I got to get back to work. And I, I literally, I I turned around, went right back to the brewery. Really? I think I worked another four hours because wow. there was a lot of shit that I yeah. had to do. It was just yeah. me back then. Yeah. I mean, there weren't, the, we didn't have too many lines back then. I mean, I think we we came out of the gate with like six lines. And so what was the reception like that night? I mean, at the bank? Oh, uh, I, th- yeah, I mean, did I don't you leave think. Before you? Did you touch the electric thing on the way out? I did. I did. I love that thing. Yeah. That thing was cool. That you have orb. To touch that thing. Yeah. The orb. The uh, electricity. Yeah. With the lightning electricity bolts. Yeah. 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 I mean, it didn't sell back then. And really, it didn't matter where we had it on. Back in the 90s, it just it wasn't selling. Uh, the Great Lost Bear was one of the first spots that where it really did start to pick up steam. And um, probably by. The late 90s, we were selling a decent amount of beer in the Great Lost Bear. Yeah. And but, people people go there for that, you know, like, yeah. like they go there to try new beers. Yeah, I mean, they've got an amazing selection. They and yeah. they always have ever yeah. ever since I started going there in 94, 95, they've had a you know unbelievably broad selection of craft beers and imports. Yeah. It's funny when a bar can define so many decades in, in the city. Yeah. Like yeah. you could define, you know, the 80s, the 90s, 
from the Great Lost Bear and what's going on there. The uh, 90s were great in Portland. I mean, you had like Perfetto, you had Walters, you oh had, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Maria's was sort of in its prime back then. Uh, Walters had, just closed, right? It did. And, yeah. and, but it was, and it was a different, you know, it didn't have, obviously they had new owners. Uh, Jeff and Cheryl bought it afterwards. But Perfetto, like the 90s to me, I used to work at, um, I used to work at Joseph's. In the old port. Yeah. Uh, when I was in high school. And I worked there and I worked at this. They used to have a cigar cafe called the Havana Room. And I worked mm-hmm. there too. So I basically got paid to smoke butts and sell clothes. Because um, that's the kind of guy I was. And, uh, <laughs> and like, sound like a bad, bad gig. Oh, it was a good life, man. I was <laughs> like, yeah, I was the only, I was the only, let's just say I was the only kid in my high school class who was smoking Shepherd's Hotel cigarettes from Germany. <laughs> um, which you can't get here anymore. I don't smoke anymore. But I've never that was heard cool. of those. They were delightful. <laughs> and uh, or the only person who could tell you all about the whole line of Nat Sherman or uh, what's the Dunhills, the other one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, there was just this thing about 90s restaurants or restaurants in the 90s. Michaela's is another one. Remember, that was in Monument yeah. Square. I mean, there uh, weren't a ton of them back then. But they you... were like, the substance was like, there was this smell. There was this like warmth to these restaurants because it was before... The Food Network Revolution, you know, before yeah. people all had an opinion on restaurants. When you, it was back when you could still get excited about things like blue cheese crumbled on a New York strip as something new <laughs> and like, you know, and delicious. Yeah. Like people weren't so jaded. Uh, and I just I just missed that. Like, I remember that because I lived like a double life because I was, as I told you, I looked really old. So I had like my adult friends and I had my high school friends and my adult life involved going to all these restaurants. And drinking a lot of wine. And just, I remember everything about them. Like, Perfetto had this, like, uh, it was like a caponata that came with the bread instead of butter. It was like this, like, eggplant and roasted pepper spread, like, and all these things were so exciting for me. And maybe it's just because I'm really jaded as a person now. (laughs) I don't get excited anymore. But I don't know. I miss that, like, childlike wonder of the 90s and the, it was like, there was, it was Perfetto, Walter's Katahdin. Yeah, and, and, and of course, spot. Street and Company. Street and Company. You know, I mean, Forest uh, Street was ninety five. Yeah, for in for, when Forest Street opened, they put us on tap. Valgas White's been on tap ever since Forest Street's Which opened. Is amazing. Oh yeah, it yeah. is amazing. I love Forest Street. You know, and Forest Street is like nights there. some people will be like, oh, you know, there's so much more now, and and I mean, honestly, <laughs> my f- previous guest on episode four, Andrew Knowlton, uh, courtesy of him. <laughs> There are a lot of people coming here who want to, who are just like, oh, that's like, you know, we want that new stuff. But like, Fourth Street is just it's so consistent. Oh, it, it's amazing. I, I, It's funny. I remember going there in the 90s. Yeah. Tom Carrigan was the bartender. Yes, I, I actually it. know Tom Carrigan. Yeah. I love Tom. Yeah. And this is one of the few times I cheat on beer, but... Tom huh. used to keep a bottle of Bombay Sapphire in the freezer in Fourth Street. And if you ordered a martini from Tom... Well, they did this atomizer. Did they exactly. Yeah. It, well, exactly. But what he would do is he'd, he'd have the glass in the freezer in the sapphire and he'd pour the sapphire into the glass, you know, put an olive in it. And he'd he'd take out his atomizer and he would start to point it at the glass, but wouldn't spray it. And then he'd like point the atomizer away from the glass, do two little spritzes, you know, just away from the yeah. glass and then give you the glass. So, I mean, That's he, would, he would basically spritz the vermouth yeah. into the sink and just it's give, so you a, subtle. give you a you glass. It away. Of, exactly. One of the worst things about the 90s, uh, wasabi mashed potatoes. I don't know if I, I mean, I love wasabi. I don't know if I ever had wasabi mashed potatoes. Well, that's good. Then you're like one of the Was that a big ones. deal back Cotton then? Street Cantina had that. Oh, I remember them, <laughs> yeah. They were the ones right behind Brian Baru, right? They were, yes. That's where rivalries is now. Yeah, but and yeah. actually when I was building the brewery, I think that was a taxi cab. Oh, nice. Like mechanic shop yeah. or something like that. They used, used to work on cabs in that building. People, I think in the 90s, they got really into like, they got into food as art, but food as like 90s art, where like they're stacking food. It was about using colors like a wasabi color, you know, in mashed potatoes. Huh. Sort of everything was very Pollock esque, you know? Yeah. Like the 90s a Scooby were funny. snack when they yeah. used to. It'd be like this, this or 10 maybe ingredients. it was Shaggy that was the one that had the huge stack. No, it was, a, it was right? a Scooby snack that Shaggy would 
eat. Right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I just remember Shaggy had this huge stacked sandwiches. Yeah. Now that would have been a good thing. These were like dainty stacked things. Uh -huh. uh, the sort of image of, well, it's almost like even though it was the eighties, um, it sort of carries over like the image of like Ferris Bueller when he goes to Le Francais. Like that yeah. kind of food, you know, like, yep. the, yes. like the dainty, the you're getting snooty, yep. snooty, snotty. Put, put the napkin in your <laughs> yeah. shirt, you know, yeah. Abe Froman, the sausage king <laughs> yeah. of Chicago. <laughs> um, that is a classic. It never gets old. Ferris Bueller, it stands the test of time. It does. It's one of those infinitely, infinitely quotable movies. It's up there with like, what about Bob? Um, things that yeah. from the Animal that, House, Spinal Tap. So funny. So we did this. We did the Spose episode, um, which was episode two, and it was about sandwiches. And I had all these references ready. He hadn't seen it because I did the whole like it's a two word review. It's not shark sandwich. It's shit sandwich. Yeah. And I had the yeah. whole thing about you know Nigel Tofno with the whole sandwich situations with the little bread. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like yeah. what is this? You know? yeah. Well, I got here and I fold it. Then I've got this, and I don't want. This <laughs> look, I'm gonna be professional about it. I'm just you know, yeah. is it, is it, this olive? There's nothing in there. There's nothing. There's, there's a little guy in there. <laughs> this is a total disaster, really. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. It was so hard to. It's so hard to reference Spinal Tab and not have somebody come along with you on it. Because you're like, oh, you man. haven't seen Spinal Tap and you're like, a, for sure. somebody I like? Like, <laughs> yeah. what the fuck, dude? Like, it's yeah. like. That movie for, we do this trip. If, you, if you're employed at the brewery for five years, mm -hmm. you, you we take you on a trip to Belgium. Just like immerse yeah. you in, oh, cool. immerse yes. you in the Belgian like where we beer from. culture. Yes. Yeah. And it's funny. I, I don't know why I think of this. I always like, if we get one of those flights where you can, you know how on the back of the seats you can yeah, scroll you through the, movie. the yeah. movies, you know? Uh, they very often spinal, spinal tap, tap in there? Yeah, very often, yeah. Oh, so man. like every other year on that trip flying. to Belgium, I, I watch so Spinal lucky. Tap and I'm literally like, I'm crying the entire time. And of course, because, we've had a couple yeah. beers before getting on the yeah. plane on that flight because who can sleep, right? right. And just like cramped up in those little seats. <laughs> I can't sleep on planes. Seven hours. I don't get it, on planes if I've had less than... 13 drinks generally that I'll have. One time I drank a Virgin Airline flight out of Heineken. And I know that because the stewardess was pointing to me across the way when a guy ordered a Heineken. She's like, that guy over there drank all of them. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Well, if I got to see Spinal Tap, oh, great. We got a bigger dressing room than the puppets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, usually every other year I found I find that on the plane and I'm literally I'm like crying. I'm laughing yeah. so hard. It never gets old. It's just you have to if you haven't seen Spinal Tap, suppose. Yeah. Watch Spinal Tap, please. Now. It's funny, there are two tie-dye shirts I remember from the 90s that I loved more than my than life itself. One was my Gritty's Halloween Ale tie-dye yeah. that I got from the Brutique. Uh, and the other was my Guns N' Roses Use Your Illusion. One half of it, literally, it was divided. One half was Use Your Illusion 1, so it was yellow and orange and, and red. And the other half was Use Your Illusion 2, so it was blue and purple. <laughs> I wore that thing until it was like in tatters. Yeah. I wish I still had it. And I, if I had it, I'd probably still it's wear it. It's one of those things where you're like crying oh, when you dude. retire, but you know it's time. <laughs> yeah, my <laughs> Gritty's Halloween Ale shirt and my Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 shirt. Uh, my two favorite shirts from the 90s, I think. <laughs> yeah. So, Gritties, thank you. I mean, that was... Thank you for hiring me. I'm sorry I broke your dishwasher. <laughs> Are they going to learn about this through They're their podcast? Not, they'll they'll no. never listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> so, one thing that we do, and it's funny, you have not... You're the first guest that has not naturally brought it up. But every episode, we talk about McDonald's. And okay. usually, in, up till now, it has come up in natural conversation every single time. But you and I have not discussed McDonald's once. Yeah. And 90s McDonald's was when they were still frying the French fries in tallow. Okay. Uh, they were delicious. And also they had the uh, the cold apple Danish I could get, which I really liked for breakfast. Okay. What do you think? You about know, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I, I like McDonald's. I love, no, I we get, love McDonald's. I don't eat there that much. Yeah. McDonald's does not sponsor this months, show. Yeah. We just always end up talking about McDonald's. Every couple months. And I know it is the antithesis of everything we stand Dude, for. Dude, a filet of fish is yeah. like 
Nothing more was it Jason Lee and Dog when they were rapturous and sinful and like delicious. Well, you know, when you grow up, I grew up in the 70s, you know, yeah. and when you were on the family road trip, when you got went and got lunch, you got lunch at McDonald's. Yes. And there's just something about that taste. I don't know if it's a nostalgia thing or what, but it absolutely <laughs> is. And it's also science. I, I, I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're right. Whatever it is, it seems to work. And I don't eat there that much, but every few yeah. months. I'll just get a craving and I'll hit it. You and, need it. Yeah, very often it. I've got a hangover, yep. and that's who is is the driver. Yes. But uh, yeah, every once in a while I'll hit it. Not too often. I don't go the sweet route, the Danish route you mentioned. No, that was more of a childhood thing for me. I get yeah. a sausage muffin with egg and yeah. a, a cold apple Danish. Okay, with my icy orange drink. That was like a childhood thing. Mm. Now I get a fillet of fish. Oh. Or if it's usually when I have it, it's when I'm very hungover driving someplace in the morning and I need something I can eat while I'm driving and I get the just the sausage muffin with egg and hash brown combo yeah thing with a bottle of Dasani with the it's with a hangover logo. cure or at least it's well I wouldn't call cure. it a cure but yeah, I call yeah, it something yeah. that can at least give you a pleasurable Takes the second edge off. yeah it gives <laughs> yeah, you a pleasurable <laughs> five minutes and yeah. it's a world of hell alleviates some yeah. of the pain yeah I I like the menu once eleven o'clock rolls around I, the okay. breakfast menu I've yeah. never really been that big I'm a on. classic girl I mean in the quarter power now they do like fresh to order. Because Wendy started doing that, so they had to follow really? suit. So literally, oh. you get a burger that's just been cooked, which can go either way. When did I this found. start? Uh, I think a year ago, McDonald's. It's just like, it's a part of your life. It's weird. Give Even it. if it isn't, you have an opinion about McDonald's. That's the yes. whole point of this show is like, we choose things, I choose things, that I perceive everybody to have a strong opinion about. And I guess that's why McDonald's seemed like a, a reasonable, yeah. constantly recurring theme. Now, don't talk about like, ultimate 90s menus for me like if, if you're having a dinner party in the 1990s you know and you have your uh actually the 90s were a great year for, uh, were a great decade for wine the vintages were great they had like 97 in there 90 you know 98 even i don't know my wines well enough. Oh, well, and, honest, and it's funny because we were t when i mentioned i was doing the podcast yeah. with you uh you know uh, one of the guys mentioned, you know, I don't, does Joe really remember the nineties, you know, or is it a blurred? And someone else mentioned, are you going to tell Joe what you ate in the nineties? Because, you know, again, I mean, I was working from five 30 in the morning till yeah. 10 at night. Both those assumptions are ridiculous I about mean, me, by the way. Okay. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. Ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for, for me, like I ate a lot of ramen, you know, a lot yeah. of, uh, uh, Harborview corn pizza? beef hack, Harborview corn pizza, beef, corn beef hash. Yeah. I never had that one. That was open, you know, they were open late. Remember, they were right on where El Rayo was. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Pizza. Of yeah. course I ate. Yeah. yeah. I used to walk back by that on the way back to my yeah. apartment. That was the, the shit. A lot of stories coming back. Because I remember when. Bring them back. Spin yeah, them the out. Grand Crew. <laughs> I remember the, the Grand Crew. Uh, when that came out, it was in 97. We were waiting for our federal label approval. And this is before, again, the internet and stuff. So you had to like. FedEx stuff to the TTB in DC and then they'd send it back. And I remember we had bottled a bunch of the Grand Crew and labeled it and it was all ready to go, but we couldn't sell it because we didn't have our label approval. Um, but we did an event actually at Dewey's and yep. I'm not sure if we should have been doing the event now in hindsight because <laughs> we didn't have our- it's all good or, now. Or we, were, or we shouldn't have scheduled it, but I opened about two hours before the Dewey's event, I opened the envelope from the TTB and we got our label approval. So I went down and did the did the event at Dewey's and let's I had I was probably overserved there from Grand Cru. I was very excited to <laughs> you have didn't the fill label up on approval. Popcorn? I mean, you, gotta <laughs> and I, you know, I was actually drinking it with Ned, Ned White, who's running yes, New, uh, England, New England, yes. which is an amazing the it is. side subject. Their gin All, is delightful. All his, I had some last night. Yeah. All his spirits are amazing. The Ingenium, I think it's the gin, right? Yes, yeah. Ingenium gin. And he's he's got an amazing bourbon. Eight Bells uh, rum. Yeah, the yeah. rum is great. So I love their stuff. Yeah. But anyway, it was, it, Ned was our brewer at the time. He was actually my first employee. Really? Yeah, from like 96 no to 2000. Um, so anyway, I was drinking pint after pint after pint with, with Ned, cause I was very relieved that we could finally sell this yeah. beer that we had told everyone was going to be available. But on my way back to my apartment behind Ruski's, 
I remember vaguely stopping at that <laughs> pizza, pizza place yeah. and getting a bunch of pizza. <laughs> yeah. And then I went back to my we had apartment. Stromboli also. Yeah. <laughs> it, it you know, it was funny. I got back to my apartment and I had beer on tap and I I shouldn't have continued. In your apartment? To, yeah, in my apartment. Did, I had a kegerator. And it was it, this. This is actually. I'll tell. I'll tell one more little story about that. Apartment. Please keep telling stories all you want. The, yeah. be, right before the Grand Crew came out, I had that. I had that kegerator in my apartment, but I needed like a bar. It was just this kind of bare, boring kegerator. And I was talking to a buddy of mine um, who was living in San Francisco at the time, and pacing around my apartment. I'm like, you know what, dude? I need a bar for this apartment. I need a. I need like a a cool little bar. And no sooner did I say that when I looked out the window of my apartment and there was a guy across the street doing a little yard sale and he had a tiki bar. What? I'm like, you're <laughs> effing kidding me. I'm that's, like, that's, I'm like, dude, that's fate talking to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, dude, let me call you right back. Yeah. I hang up the phone. I think this dude was a drug dealer because I used to see people go in and out of his apartment all right. day long. And yeah. He was all amped up, kind of wild guy. <laughs> really like, nice guy. He's an escort, but he, probably a yeah, probably yeah, yeah, a yeah, yeah, yeah. So I go out and I'm like, "How much for the tiki bar?" And he goes, "80 bucks." Like tiki bar, two stools, and I'm like, "You got what? a deal?" Yeah. And he's like, "No, no, 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 no." He goes, "This is a yard sale." He goes, "You got to negotiate," and I'm like. Well, I'll yeah. give you oh. 60 bucks. Yeah. And he's like, okay, deal. I'm like, what just happened here? <laughs> okay, definitely so a drug dealer. I give him the definitely 60 not bucks. Escort, yeah. Definitely a drug dealer. Yeah. He helped me carry the bar up, but <laughs> yeah, amazing. that bar was there. You know, people in the 90s were nice. Remember that? They were, yeah. <laughs> Even the yeah. random drug dealers having yard sales on a corner. Yeah, yeah. If you carry your tiki bar, they just sold you up to your apartment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I but I do remember our pizza. And also Bill's pizza was a classic. Bill's was. Bill's was but Bill's was more like, you know, everybody was, was you know, old port. Harborview yeah. was a little off beaten path. It was. You know, like locals went to Harborview. It wasn't yeah. like a touristy thing. So my 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 classic 90s menu, uh Man, we got sidetracked. We did. You brought this up like we 10 did, minutes but that's ago. the whole point, really. <laughs> yeah. uh, baked brie. There had to be some baked brie on oh, the menu, yeah. I think. With some honey or it, something. Honey, I was just going to say, it always came with yeah. something sweet. It has right? to be some baked or brie. Some jelly or something like and that. Then, and then on that note, we also need some goat cheese. Yes. With some kind of fruit element. Yep. Uh, definitely a tuna tartare. Yep. Um, Which is still. It was still, I mean, because well, rare right? tuna is not going to go out of. Yeah, stuff, but it was. It came to. It came to prominence. No one was know? eating tuna tartare in the eighties. Yeah, you know, mescaline salad, rocket greens. Yep. You know, like naming your greens. Yeah, it was a very nineties thing. Yeah, because um, before then it was like the salad bar with the iceberg lettuce, the little right. mini shrimp, and maybe you were fancy eggs, and got you know? romaine. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Mango salsa. Also, Man. very late '90s thing. Not a huge fan. Not no. very Bobby enough for me. Very Bobby Flay. Maybe on some swordfish. Yeah. Sunshine tomatoes and pine nuts on everything. <laughs> I yeah. mean, you know, we talked about that already, uh, but definitely uh, pesto cream sauce or some kind of pasta with some sun-dried tomatoes, pine nuts, uh, and then you finish it up with the. Uh, Molten chocolate cake. Yeah. The pesto, when I worked at, I mentioned Crested Butte, I was yeah. like four days a week in a pizza joint, three days a week in the seafood place. You know, when I got in and, and got my free shift meal, you could make your own pizza. And right. that was right at the time those white pies were getting big. And it was like the pesto and the ricotta cheese. And so, I mean, I pesto was huge in the it 90s. Was, yeah, because it was green and yeah. it was different. Yeah. The 90s were all about like, Stupid colors that shouldn't be together, <laughs> that were together, yeah. and, and like I mean that's just kind of what it was about. You know what's the most '90s place in the world to me? Wharf Street Wine Bar. Oh yeah, that Remember was on that the place? second. Was it was on the second, second floor. floor? Yeah, and it was like you know, mismatched furniture, like wine, but like you know, but. It was better than like you get, you know, at other places. You know, my wife and I used to go there all the time in the late nineties and we'd get a bottle of port and split it. And <laughs> drinking a whole bottle of port disappear. together is also very nineties. <laughs> yeah, because yes, if yeah. you made it, if you've ever I one time I drank two whole bottles of port myself and I thought 
That was one of the worst mornings. That was almost as bad as when I drank a whole bottle of Grand Marnier myself. But port, <laughs> it, port is so easy to drink. It's delicious. I love port. I mean, listen, port is delicious. Yeah. Like, and there's so many styles. And vintage port is like some of the most sought after wine you can yeah. literally, yeah. you know, find. We weren't drinking the vintage port, but we were drinking port. Yeah, they didn't have <laughs> the good. vintage port of Web True Wine yeah. Bar because that's just good enough. And you get a cheese plate, and the cheese plate might have Dill Havarti on it or something. <laughs> Because of the 90s. <laughs> it's going to have Brie, and it may have Dill Havarti. We're not really <laughs> yeah. sure. Um, remember, oh, yeah. it was just like domestic beer and imported beer. That was the two categories. There was no craft beer. I mean, even like, when I started, there was only like, I don't know how many breweries. I could look it up. But 300, 350 breweries in yeah. the country. Yeah. There's 8,000 now. Or Which there is, will be 8,000 yeah. by the end of this year. And there will be more to come. Yeah. Well, we look forward to that. And on that note... I want to thank uh, my guest, Rob Todd, the founding brewer of Allagash Brewing and a recent recipient of the James Beard Award for uh, Best Beer, Wine, and Spirits Producer. Uh, it's been awesome having you here, man. Thanks, Joe. It's been it's really been a blast. great. Absolutely. And been also... Nice to lift a couple cans of white with you. I love this beer, and I, I will always love this beer. And also a thanks to our sponsors, uh, Termaline Springwater, the Amethyst Elixir Company, uh, Living Nuts with a Z and Root Wild Kombucha. Uh, although it's not only kombucha, they also have beer and it's delightful. Until next time, signing off, Joe Riccio and the Fukuma Podcast. Mm-hmm.